Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer. Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd, Marcos Flores and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Oh, it is indeed the Real Football Show. Welcome, Albie Kid. How are you, Albert? Hey, that's how I am. Yeah, good, thank you. And Val Miliaccio, the biggest newsbreaker in the game. Valentino. How are you, Val? Brilliant. Hey, Val, I've got to say, I'm getting, um, I don't know what you call them, hits or things on LinkedIn from all over the world. This is unbelievable. It is, isn't it? I think uh, introducing uh, Maria yep. Jose Royas Cote has introduced the world to the Triple M Real Football Show. And James getting, Kitching from the, the other week James from the Kitching FFA. From FIFA. So we're getting like hits from the US, yep. Chile, Argentina. From James right around the All world. All over Europe. So to everyone listening, wherever you are in the world, I had someone from Singapore this week as well. So it's, it is the global game and we enjoy talking about it each and every week as well. Uh, Val, coming up on the show today, we're going to join, uh, be joined by Filip Topalovic. Tell us a bit about him. Yeah, this is uh, massive and hopefully he'll break some news, maybe which Melbourne Victory didn't want to hear. All right. don't want to hear. Wow. He's a former assistant coach of Marco Kurtz and, and they both worked at Adelaide United and Melbourne Victory and... The pair, I thought, was sensational, at Adelaide in particular. They got within a grand, one penalty kick away from the grand final in that Perth match, won the FFA Cup, went to victory. They got sacked while victory was actually sitting sixth last January. Look Mm. at them now. Yep. They've dipped all the way back. They bounced back last night. They they moved away from bottom, but... um, they're in disarray at the moment. All right, so he's back in Germany living. We'll uh, go all the way across there and uh, talk to Filip Topalovic. Tell us about Richard Wilson. Well, Richard Wilson, he was a founding director, a founding member and, and a shareholder of Melbourne Victory and also an ex-managing director. Now, he's out. He wants out because he said it publicly in a statement that he couldn't work particularly with the chairman. That's uh, Anthony DiPietro. We'll, we'll speak to him about what's going on there, but more, I think this is more newsy. What what he's trying to come up with is he wants to sell his shares, but not to another investor or yes, to other investors, but there'll be fans, supporters and members. And this could entirely reshape the way A-League clubs are positioning themselves. If, if this works, I mean, you look at Adelaide United now, Albie, members can go to these forums. They can say whatever they want, they're knocking their heads against the brick walls because they've got no, no we'll say see. at yep. all. This, this could be a game changer, I think. It's interesting. It's, um, as I mentioned off air, it's, it could be a bit dangerous as well. But, um, you know, if you get the wrong people in there, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, very important. Look, I'm a great believer. I must say this, Lance, is, you know, the people on the board, they really don't need to have a football background. They just need to bring business acumen to the, the club strategy, all that type of stuff, and then let the football people take over. That's my that's my thought. But then emotions come into it. Well, yeah, but... Because people are tapping the president on the shoulder and going, hey, we need a midfielder, I've got a good guy, contact this agent, and it becomes emotional, yeah? Well, I can always remember speaking to Archie Knox uh, when he's, you know, he was in the management role and whatnot, and he would never, ever... You know, be questioned on he needs a hundred thousand pounds at that time in the eighties to buy a player. When he goes into the boardroom, he doesn't really say to the guy, "We're going to buy this guy." This is the reasons why, uh, and and you know the directors in that day would just provide the money. In this day and age, lads, it's pretty obvious that the directors of the clubs, the respective clubs, let's speak about the A League, they've got a big decision on the players that are coming in. When it fails, they put it back to the coach. That's yeah, the problem. Shoot the coach. And, yeah, exactly. That's what's happening. And I just think that we should um, have football people making football decisions with players and all that. The Reds have done it. Adelaide United become the first club to win the FFA Cup twice. What a raucous and emotional night of Okay, let's head all the way to Germany now on the Real Football Podcast. And joining us, Philippe Topalovic. And Val, former assistant coach of Marco Kersey, they worked at both Adelaide United and Melbourne Victory, so uh, a lot of experience here in Australia. Philippe, welcome, and whereabouts are you? Which city do we find you in? Hi, hello, Australia. Uh, I am currently in, in, in Germany, in Munich, 
and it's uh, early in the morning. Um, I'm doing well, and I hope you are doing also well. Yeah, the beautiful city of Munich. So, Philip, since yeah. you've uh, obviously you know ended your stint with Victory of the Marco last January, what have you been up to lately? Uh, we stayed in, um, in in Melbourne uh, because it was a big lockdown in in, in Europe, and um, I think we left Australia in June. Um, first, we went to Croatia to visit uh, some relatives, and yeah, in in Split, I was even able to watch a game at the stadium of of Hajduk Split live um, because in Germany it was it was, it was not possible to do this. And uh, in the meantime, I had a con- I was contacted um, for assistant coach position in the second Bundesliga, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so you and, would, uh, yeah, yeah, and still, I'm um, what I'm doing now is networking with coaches and agents and other people of soccer via um, phone or Zoom because it's still not possible to visit stadiums or training camps. It means it's very hard to go in touch with uh, with other with other people from from soccer. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, now we're speaking to you from Adelaide, obviously. Can I ask you, when you with your time at Adelaide United, it's fair to say you were just a, a penalty kick away from reaching the grand final, and then you were no longer at the club yourself and Marco. Do you look back and think why, or were you harshly dealt with? Okay, we we know, we knew it before. I think um, end of February, Pete uh, informed us that they will not um, extend the contract. Yep. Um, it was clear for us that we will leave Adelaide. Um, we had a great time there. Um, yeah, and Pete had another idea. I think we have to respect this, and uh, I think we had a great time in Adelaide with our families and also with Marco and the team and with the boys. Uh, I think we did a we did a good job and the boys as well. Philip, um, coming back on the working with the agents and whatnot. Um, just going back into my day, we used to go across to Germany to play, you know, friendly matches. We used to go to a place called Bad Kreuzner. Uh you, you probably know that. But uh, the question I'd like to ask you, there was an agent there that was a big agent in Germany, a guy called Bern Kielak. Does that name ring any bells for you? Ben Kilak? No, I don't know him, no. Right, okay. Well, that finished for you really quick. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> a pretty good question. But, yeah. but, but, but <laughs> my other question is as well, you know, it sounds like you, uh, I could tell within the, your, your voice that you, you, you obviously enjoyed Australia. Um, would you come back? Huh, maybe, maybe not um, in the short term because now it's COVID. Um, yeah. The plan is to stay here for, for a little time. Maybe to find here a job, but um, I can imagine to come back. I would like to come back, maybe not um, not now, but uh, in medium term, I can imagine very well to come back to Australia. Yes. But you look at the football across here; it's a lot different as you've experienced now, Philippe. But um, looking at players now, the players that you played when you were you know you playing at uh, at your uh, the top of your form in two thousand and six, players are different now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, of course they're different. Uh, the training sessions are different. The coaches are different. Um, a lot of change in, in, in football and soccer. Um, I think the, 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 the players are... Uh, the intensity of, of football or soccer is increasing. And uh, also um, the invest is um, higher than in my time. It means more training sessions and more people around. Uh, the players, the bigger stuff, um, I think, uh, change a lot. Just, Philip, we'll go back to the A-League. Like, last season, victory um, actually, you know, swung the axe with you and Marco. And the club was sitting sixth. And now they had a win last night, so they moved off a bottom place. But the club hasn't been in a good spot. More importantly, a lot of innuendo has been said about the recruiting last year. And I'm led to believe that you and Marco had very little to do, especially with the imports that, that came over. And, and because you've been criticised probably unfairly because you haven't had a right to reply. Is that correct, that the, the imports you had nothing to do with? You speak about uh, the new players? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The players that... Um, that, that... They are, they, for recruiting, nah, it's, um, we, are, we are asking for, for, for some players. Um, yeah. And two players um, 
they denied two players. They denied um, one you two player players. was yeah. yeah yeah one place was a Weezer player. Um, I don't know if I can the name uh, say the name, but um, I don't care. It, it was I think Sydney Sam, and one player from Australia and um, yeah, but. The club, um, it's a big club in, in Australia. They have um, huge uh, resources, but um, I think um, they are not the right uh, people in the, in the right position. So you, you, know? you're talking um, they, have, they have no football. They have, they have no football brain in a, in a management. Um, uh, sorry, they have one, but he's not in charge. There is a problem because in, in Melbourne Victory, the CEO Trent Jacobs is, is running the. The football operation, and I think he's not um, familiar in this. Hmm. So you had problems, obviously, with uh, that yourself, because coming from the background that you had, and obviously you, yeah, and, of course, you and Mark, of course, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's not a, he had no football background, and um, I think uh, he listened to other people, um, but when you talk to him, you, you see, you have no idea what what we need. Um, um, they have a lot of money, um, but it's also a problem because they maybe they pay the, the players too high. You know, the salary maybe was too high. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think they they have one in the, in the club, a former player, but he's not in charge. And I think it's a it's a big club, but you can see there's no no real leadership in the in the in the group. Um, mm. I don't speak about the team, but around the team you need a, a spine. Um, uh, good structure and I think uh, from my experience or my point of view it's it's not there in Victoria. Well, I think you've highlighted a problem we see in many, many clubs in Australia. The wrong people have actually got all the say and the exports, experts don't. So, Philippe, it's great that you point that out. Um, what When you look back at Australia, your time here, what do we need to do? We've tried to have some of the real, real big names uh, come out here and they play as uh, 40-year-olds, if you like. Uh, I can think of a couple of Italians. Uh, I can think of some South Americans that have done it as well. How can we improve that situation? How will we ever get big international stars, big names to play in our league? Do we need our clubs to be aligned maybe with big clubs in Europe? Can that work, do you think? The question is, uh, do you need big names in your league? Um, because um, the financial situation is not like in, in the United States. Yep, it yep. means a very good player will not come to Australia for, sure. I would say, peanuts now. Yes. Uh, not mm. to be uh, disrespectful, no, but no. he will not come because he, he likes um, the weather or something. If <laughs> yeah. you are older, yep. okay, I can ex um, imagine that he will come. And But I think the the, the key is developed. Um, young players. I think it's not, I, I know that it's not easy because it's a huge country. Uh, also, um, I spoke in the past with um, people from Adelaide and uh, they said the big issue is the, the huge country and no money. Mm, yeah. But I think it's an excuse. The money is it's good to have money, but only one example Croatia, my, um, my route, there are 4 million people, they have no money, but they have very good players, you know? Yeah. It means um, put the money in the coaching education, um, try to to build up a curriculum, and not uh, not one from the Netherlands, no one from Germany or something else. You have to make your own, but implement maybe um, principles from from Germany or from the Netherlands. But I think the Australian um, soccer deserve their own um, cu curriculum. Another foreign one from Germany or I don't know from the Spain. Yep. yep. I think they need their own one. They have to build their own one. Um, Albert, uh, do you agree with what Philip's saying here? I do, and I, and, and I'm going to bring the name up. Um, he mentioned uh, a player at Melbourne, and it, I think it's Paul Tromboli. Uh, we know Trimmers really well. Um, very very educated guy, good background. But if he's in that same category, mm. as what you've mentioned correctly, Dick, that's um, you know looking at. Uh, People being on the board, know for their business acumen that they've got a small piece of knowledge about football. That's dangerous in, yeah. the, in the football game. Yep. And sure. Paul Tromboli should have a lot more to say. Mm. Um, I think that's what he's alluding to. Yeah. Philip, it's been great to talk to you. And in particular, I just really appreciate your honesty. Uh, you've had a couple of real, real good things to say, mate. Thank you so much for your time and good luck in the near future in Germany. Thank you very much. Thanks, Philip. Thanks, Philip.
Our guest, Philip Tapalovic, uh, who uh, partnered Marco Kurz here for a long time in Australia at both Adelaide United and Melbourne Victory, ex-Croatian international. There you go. Stand by me at the A-League Grand Final. Val, uh, give us the background behind this. What are we about to talk about? The good old days of Melbourne Victory and their fans. And uh, it's not so good at the moment. But speaking to us now is Richard Wilson, an outgoing uh, Melbourne Victory director, a founding member, club shareholder, and ex-managing director who's decided to uh, pull the pin. And he joins us live on The Real Football Show. Welcome, Richard. Thank you, Val. Thank you, Chris, for having me. Good to be with you. It's a a massive shock because I think you've had so much good influence in the club and and apart from that, you're a really nice guy. But the more interesting thing, there was a statement that was put out on Monday, but the most interesting thing I found from that statement was that you're prepared to sell your share. I'm not too um, sure how much share you've got in the club. To fans, supporters and members, which in my opinion could entirely reshape the way the A-League clubs operate. It's a great initiative. So what's the reasoning behind that? Look, um, look I think uh, it's like anything, really. You're, when you're invested in a, any business or you're in the share market or, or you're an investor in property, whatever it might be, um, it, sometimes there comes times when you when you don't want to be involved and, and well, you don't want to live in your house. You want to move. Yeah. Um, you've got something to sell. And uh, so it's, it's from that perspective, it's an investment perspective. You know, me and my group, and it's you know, about 16% or thereabouts of the shares, yeah. 2.3 million shares. Um, but I think the uh, as a result of the decision, which has obviously taken some time to get to and, and reach where, it, where I've got to and, and so forth, the next step is to, to talk about um, what you want to do with, it, with your investment. Um I think that's what I'm really keen to have a chat with you guys about and your thoughts really is around member-based ownership in yeah. in football clubs. And let's define a football club as soccer yeah. um, for the sake of, <laughs> for all of this. So we'll call it a football club. Um, and it's a whole range of models around the world in clubs, in club ownership models. In the A-League, of course, it's all private. Um, in the AFL in Australia, it's member-based, similarly to most of the NRL clubs. But in football clubs, is a, you know there's a diversity of private ownership, such as we have at Victory. Yeah. There's a there's a, a model of member membership. You know, so you could talk to maybe the Barcelona's, the Real Madrid's, you know, the Spanish clubs that are member-based. You've got German league that are member-based. And then you've got some hybrids, you know, so like Bayern Munich, for example, you know, they're all member-based and, 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 and they have they vote. Um, you've got a model, uh, let's say maybe Juve, yeah. um, a publicly listed company, um, 60% owned by the original owners and, and 40% into the public uh, arena yeah. on, a, on, a, on a listed base. So... I think there's an opportunity for the fans, and you know, I've obviously I've stood with the fans in the uh, active area. I mean, I'll never forget the day I went to Adelaide, and it was really my very early days, very early days um, as as MD in 2011, and went to Adelaide Oval, and and there were issues at the at, the, at our active area in with Adelaide and and how in the and throwing of stuff by the Adelaide supporters into our voice, yeah, our yeah. fans that. I actually went in there with a suit and tie and started. I stood with them getting pelted um, <laughs> by the Adelaide people. By the Adelaide people uh, in the active area there, and the police actually squeezing our fans closer to the fence. It was actually quite ridiculous. Yeah. What went on. Um, and ever since that day, you know, you've always listened to what your members and your supporters and your fans want for your club. Um, and uh, and I think this is a fantastic way and an opportunity, and it's genuine for the, for 
member supporters, anyone, to, to be involved in a far more active way, particularly, obviously, by having a voice. It's one thing to be a member and, and attend right. fan forums and, and you know, and, and get on to your social media programs and, 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 and talk about it. It's another thing to actually be an owner of an organisation, uh, attend AGMs, get the uh, shareholder informations um, and, and get access to information that you wouldn't normally get as a member. I totally agree. Richard, uh, look, at you've mentioned the change in the, the model, the strategy there, obviously, um, to a Barcelona uh, member-based uh, type club. Um, that's a clear, it's a, it's a massive change in the, in the game. Uh, I'm just interested to hear, if, uh, what's, what's the actual the, the existing board members now? Are they, and have, you, have you put this past them or are they keen on doing that or looking at that? No, I haven't spoken to, uh, look, I haven't spoken to them about about that. Um, didn't really, don't really need to really. It's a matter for them whether they want to uh, be involved or not. Um, you know, we've every owner has got the right to to decide when, when, and how they want to sell their shares. Um, and it's you know, it's been my recent view now that and my colleagues. That um, that this time there was a false start a few years back uh, with a couple of other investors, directors uh, selling their shares. They didn't end up getting bought by by existing by the existing um, directors. Mm. But uh, I, but this time I think there's a real opportunity. I think the game's matured. I think the fans have matured into the A League. It's a great club to uh, to be a part of, and I think. Uh, there's a real opportunity now to to give them that, that opportunity uh, to participate at, at at this level, and it may well be uh, the beginning of, of of a hybrid model in Australian football clubs that people can have a real say. They're passionate, they're educated, they know about the game. A lot of them are, are you know been in business and understand you know the responsibilities and the governance, and um, and uh, and so. This is an opportunity for those people to um, be involved in, a, in an elite sporting club. Richard, educate me on corporate governance here. If you put your shares up for sale, can you determine who buys them or do they have to go on the open market? And that, what I'm asking, therefore, can your fellow directors buy them? Anyone can buy, anyone can buy the shares. So you yeah. can't determine who they go to? I can. Well, I, well, we, well we can. We can... You know, in the end, we can decide who we sell to and who we don't. Yeah, right. Yep, that's what I was trying to establish. And what sort of money would be involved if someone wanted to buy buy your whole share portfolio? Yeah, yeah. So we haven't quite come to that structure uh, right now, but it is the intention to have this on the market by the end of next week. Okay. Okay. Look forward to that. So you know, it'll be around. It'll be around the couple of buck mark. I would think, yep. um, given what's gone on in recent times mm. um, uh, around um, share pricing, so that's that's sort of around where it'll be. But we're uh, we're a long way down the track, just uh, finishing off some regulatory stuff and some uh, and uh, and pieces that um, we're hoping that'll be um, re- relatively simple. And by the end of next week, um, there'll be um, uh, the, the registry people who express their interest and we go from there Richard you, you've had a lot of success here obviously it's been in your life for a long time a founding member and, and all that great success mm. through Ernie Merrick Kevin Musket and all the, the, all the above uh, mm. what's it what, is it just that you've had enough um, as the family said Dad, what's happening? Are you, can we get more of your time? What's actually happened there, Richard? Because it is a big decision to move out of a, a big club like Melbourne Victory. Well, I, well, well, it was a big decision, a very big decision. Um, but you know, having been in there for you know for that long, um, I do. You know, there is a there is a view that you can be. You know that. that Father time always comes comes to, mm-hmm. to an end in, in these things. You need new people, new new leadership, new energy, and, and obviously, as I've said in my statements and what's come through, that 
um, you know, where where the board was made going with decisions and and and, and directions is, you know, I had some issues around that. And um, at the end of the day, um, and it's over the last couple of years, and 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 you get to that point where, well, um, you make you need to make a decision, and uh, and I think what's best for the club and was best for me in my circumstances and, and what else I do. Um, that that's what got, that's what got to the point. So making the decision, nothing's nothing's forever. Um, but I do take great pride in in being a part of what what's been built. Um, and I think uh, it, it, I think the club can move. I think this might be a catalyst for uh, for some change. I hope so. Um, a refocus, a resetting, um, and 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 on top of that, uh, opening up an opportunity for. For, for people who love the game to have have a real voice. Absolutely. Just, Richard, I think it's fair to say that if Melbourne Victory are at the wrong end of the table in the A-League, and this is, we've seen this historically, the whole competition suffers. We cannot afford to have Victory at the bottom end of the table. Would you agree with that? Oh, well, I think that's just a given. Um I think when we, had, when we had a couple of struggled years, not um, there too many in the earlier days, but um, because of the brand, because of the the, the TV ratings, the the, the mm. people the numbers of who are watching the watching our games, you know, and you know the the, the PR around it, the brand. Um, clearly, you know, it's like having Manchester United on the bottom of the EPL. Just you know, it, it just shouldn't be the case, um, and. Uh, and the game does suffer, and and uh, you know the, the, you hear the fox fox boys saying the same. You know, at the end of last year, you know, yeah. Robbie Slater and, and and co victory have got to be in the finals. They've got to be in yeah. the heating, you know, because the game has to have our club there. Um, and I know, as we all know, you know, your position on ladder can change pretty quickly in sport, um, but uh, clearly we shouldn't be where we are. Uh, that's undisputable and the game does suffer because of it. Just the final one, any chance of shifting your money over to Adelaide? (laughs) (laughs) We'd love to have you here. Well, your boys had a win the other night. Um, So, uh, yeah, look, it's, you know, in the broader context of the game, you know, clearly with the separation of the other thing, and I was pretty involved in that in in the early, very early stages with Simon and Greg um, uh, and uh, with with the Lowys. a great step. I think that enhances actually the IP and the ownership and the equity of clubs now yeah. that they have separated from the FA, uh, and it gives um, greater opportunity through its own board and, and management to drive revenues and drive the game um, them ourselves, if you like, uh, not be caught up in, in with the FFA uh, governance issues any longer. And I think. Um, so there's great optimism around that, um, but of course the management and and the and the, and the new APL co board need to get it right, of course. And um, but I think there's a lot of opportunities now for the game to grow in Australia um, over the next couple of years. And but you know the next 12 months is really important. Obviously, cash and 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 the financial and the TV rights deals have all got to uh, continue to come into play. But I think uh, but I think once that they, that will happen. And I think uh, clubs like Adelaide, look, a whole lot of clubs are struggling, there's no doubt. Um, um, but I think there's a real, there's a real optimistic optimism and optimistic future there. Well, it happens around the world. Why not here in Australia? Uh, members actually having ownership of part of the club. Richard Wilson, yep. outgoing Melbourne Victory Director, our special guest. Hello, Ancelotti has uh, won the big games in Milan, in Madrid, in Munich. He is yet to win the big game to Corre, and so many of his predecessors have failed so often. This is fiddled through for Richardson! Staggering start in front of the vacant court. Everton, Everton snatched the lead at Anfield. Sigurdsson has scored for Everton and 
maybe paving the way to blue history. They are that close now. Well, he's going to be remembered now in, in terms of Everton lore, the history of the club. And for the first time in the 21st century, Everton have won on hostile terrain. It is Liverpool nil, Everton well, what a result. Not only Everton winning at Anfield, but for the first time in, uh, you'll be able to tell me how many years, 19... four losses yeah. in a row at home for Liverpool. It just does not happen. And I was partying hard. <laughs> That's very <laughs> it nice. It was a massive result for them, lads. You know, Everton, you know, I watched the full game and, um, you know, Liverpool had a lot of the ball. They played, you know, fairly well, but defensively, very, very questionable. You know, the first goal the loss was, was just... <laughs> You know, just play, you know, schoolboy f- football. But uh, what a big result for Ancelotti. Has, have they become a little bit arrogant? Because they, they, they're actually good in the Champions League. And then they go back into domestic football and they're so hot and cold. Well, as that's mentioned, the Ford and Detroit, they got beat uh, at uh, Anfield. That's, so it's been that, 98 years since they've lost of, four in a row. Of, yeah. Wow. But really, you know, there's something happening there. Again, I keep going back to the crowds. You know, when you, when you, when you, it's like a, 12 players on the park when you've got a big crowd. Like, there'll be 60,000 people at Anfield there normally. Um, geez, what, what would have been in that game, Val? That would have been 3,000. That would have been lynched if they lost well, that 2 0 yeah. at home. But you know what? Klopp's very casual about it at this point in time. And there's been speculation on. And being replaced and all that type of stuff by Stevie Gerrard. I don't know if you know that, guys, but mm. you know Stevie Gerrard winning the, the championship with Rangers. Um, well, they will win the, win the championship within the next couple of weeks, but uh, he's been tipped to come in there. Um, but you know, w- will that happen? I don't think so. But at least he's had good experience. Yep. And uh, a lot of these youngish coaches, and we've seen now with Pirlo at Juventus, no experience at all, and this is his first gig. And you were on the brink of getting dumped out of the Champions League, not winning the title, the first one they're not going to win in 10 years. Okay, they've won the uh, the Super Cup, the Italian Super Cup, but you need some experience as a manager, especially at Liverpool. I think it's a, it's a foregone conclusion, lads, that uh, Stevie Gerrard will end up at Liverpool at Definitely. some point in time. Definitely. He's actually he's done well. I've seen him being interviewed. He's very, very calm and collect. Even when he gets beat, you know, he's very, very much in control and... Um, Looks like he could be a, a very good coach in the in the future. Plus, fav, you know, favourite son returns. What does yeah. that do to the membership, to the spirit of the place? It's exactly, it'd be a huge you know announcement, a huge signing. Hasn't always worked. Uh, Graham Soonis went back there, didn't he, as a as a favourite son? Well, Douglas as well as another. Uh, he worked. He went okay. I don't, I don't reckon Soonis did. No, Soonis uh, struggled going back there. Um, but you, it's again, it's a foregone conclusion that. You know, these guys that are top people at the clubs that, you know, it's like, um, uh, sorry, Frank Lampard yeah. from, from Chelsea there, a, a fantastic player in the yep. club yep. for a lot of years. He, they give him the gig, he's failed, and it's very, very difficult to get rid of him. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think uh, Gerard's cut from a different cloth. Yeah, different he individual. He definitely is. Yeah. Uh, then, sorry, just, you, you get the, the also the notion. So these guys are club legends, and they could end with the towel between their legs when they, when it shouldn't happen. We've seen at Celtic what what's happening now with Lennon. Yep. He he resigned apparently. But he's a legend because he's got that club way, way up and they won so many titles and cups. Yep. You don't want to see him end his stint as the enemy of the club. And that's the danger, I think, of bringing people back in like Steven Gerrard, you know, back into Liverpool because fans can turn suddenly on a, on a legend and you'd hope not. <laughs> Yeah, they've got short memories, uh, the, the, the supporters. They just want to see their team winning, especially the yeah. Celtic and Rangers. But, uh, you know, Lennon has been right in the firing line for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I think they got beat just last week from uh, Ross County, which is just, it's unheard of. It's unheard of. You know, Ross William County. William Moore's old club, Ross County. Didn't he have a, a season there? Yeah, ex-Adelaide United coach. Ended up at Ross County many, many years ago. Really? For a weird Tell reason. me about Ross County. Where are they and how big's their ground? They're up at... in Aberdeen Territory up, up north. At, yeah. um, but look, they've, they've, they've done reasonably well going into the uh, the, the, the A-League, the uh, Premier League, Scottish Premier League. But, um, you know, again, it's... How, how big a club are they? 
What would their home crowd be? Oh, probably 8,000. Really? Sorry, I do apologize. It was Livingston. Who, who's oh, Livingston? Livingston, yeah. So more They're more Edinburgh-based, yeah. Uh, yeah. What sort of a club are they? Uh, similar to Ross County. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't fancy the winters in Ross County. No, no, no. no you don't want to be up there at, uh, no. at this time of the year, let me tell you. No, no thanks. Now, the other result, of course, the, the, the great result, over the, everyone's talking about this game. West Brom got a point against Burnley. Which was very important. Uh, Every where point's I a good point. It is. Well, it's too late. They're on 14 points. It's uh, it's all over for the bottom Actually, two. That could be the, my next favourite team in England. Who? West Brom. Thank you. Why not? Thank you. Why not? Yeah. I'm, I'm not a real hardcore. Best player to ever come from West Brom? Brian Robson. Brian Robson. He is too. Yeah. Uh, went on to Captain Man. You know, we taught him everything he knows. All right, uh, Albert, which games you're looking forward to this weekend? Apart from West Brom and Brighton, which ones? Yeah, well, Saturday um, 27th, um, you've got Man City playing against West Ham. Now, West Ham, that's... Um, Surprised everybody. David Sitting Boyce, fourth. I watched his interview the other night there when they beat um, Tottenham. Uh, the line fourth just now and really punching above their weight yeah. well and truly. yeah. But this will be the big test. I mean, you're playing against Man City, who I think is going to win the, the league now. Um, oh gee, go out on a limb. No, they're, ten point, they're ten <laughs> points in front. Geez, you're bold. That was a bold prediction. But really, you know, Man City at home against West Ham, it's going to be a cracker of a game. <laughs> Would it surprise me that West Ham could steal a point there? Not really. I, th- I think they've, they've got the guns, they've got the the, the confidence in the, in the club right now to, to maybe, uh, bo- well, create an upset. But uh, I think the best they could get with this game this is probably a draw. The other game that's um, coming up on the Sunday is Leicester versus Arsenal. Now, Leicester are going great guns as well. So uh, that'll be a difficult match um, for Arsenal. Uh, and I, I'm expecting uh, Leicester to win. Now, Spurs, obviously eyeing a spot in Europe, have to win. Um, and they take on Burnley, so they should be okay. But they really, really must have a big win. Well, again, very similar uh, dynamic to um, what's happening with Liverpool. You know, they're playing spasmodically well uh, in the, the EPL. Uh, sorry, in the in Europe especially. But they're struggling. They're, they're stopping and starting in the, in the EPL and just dropping points left, right and centre. Which which creates a you know a different animal with the Leicesters and the the West Ham's getting three points, and then all of a sudden they find them, themselves in four spot. Now now David Moy spoke in a, an interview this week that's and all it was about was everybody asking about Europe, mm. and he's saying whoa 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 you're, you we're sitting in fourth here are, are we good enough to play in Europe to to, to finish in the top six? Mm. Not sure. We're not getting excited just now. Guys are happy. Great confidence in the club. And that's just, he's just wanting to pe- keep everybody's feet firmly on the ground. Mm. Uh, before we move on, anything else you want to talk about EPL there, Val, before we move yeah, on? EPL, sir. I think Leeds offered him an extension, but he's holding back. And uh, he came out publicly. It's actually quite weird when you see him talking because he's always got the interpreter, even though he understands English fully. And uh, he's out, no disrespect to the club. He just wants to sit and wait until the end of the season. But, I mean, his team, as expected, is hot. They they can smash teams to pieces one match, and Mm. then the next match they look horrible. Mm. Albert, I just want to finish talking about the Scottish Premier League again. Now, I bring this up with you all the time, but something has to change. When you look at the ladder right now, we cannot just go for another decade watching the same thing happen at the top of the ladder in Scotland, surely. Well, look, I think um, most people who know the Scottish Premier League, they look at the third place because it's always going to be Celtic and Rangers or Rangers and Celtic. Yeah. And then at this point in time, we've got uh, Hibernian sitting in third spot. Um, looking at... T- you know, going forward for the big clubs, you know, and I keep saying this: that Celtic and Rangers are a mass, are massive clubs in their own right, globally. Mm. They're well known globally. They're, they're yep. like a Man United with the sales strips overseas. You see yep. people walking in Spain, all over the different yep. countries with Celtic tops on Agreed. Rangers tops. Yep. But they've got to get into the Euro League, and, and and partly they've not even been uh, tipped to go in there. Mm. But the Euro League that's going to be coming on on the. Uh, on, on the agenda in the next uh, probably two or three years, I would like to think that they'd be offered to go in there because they, they, have to. they or have to. or alternatively that's going to the the EPL. Start off with the there. EPL. They've got to go to the EPL. Tell me this though, I think it's obvious it should be two clubs. Should it be Hearts and Hibs as well? Should it be four clubs, or is Scotland not big enough? 
Well, I think it's only two clubs. Just the two? Yeah. Because all the other clubs, to be perfectly honest and with respect, are provincial clubs. Okay. You know, Celtic and Rangers are massive. You know, they, Ab- they, Aberdeen not up to it? I know they're not Aberdeen as big as Aberdeen used to be too. when Ferguson was there. Yeah. However. Yeah, but if you go into one of these leagues, that happens though. You get, the, they get that quality going yeah. back there, surely. But looking at Aberdeen, you know, Aberdeen's crowds, for example, it'll be, you know, 10,000 max. Right. You you go to Rangers when they when they actually they they went bankrupt and they needed to come through the divisions. Mm. They were playing in the first division. We're getting something like thirty five thousand people mm. in the first division. Yeah, you know that's what that's the strength of that club. Yeah. If they go down to England and they play the Chelsea's and the mm. Arsenal's of this world, they will very very quickly find that their feet there and, and probably finish in the top six mm. within two or three years. Yep. I'm sure of it. Yep. But the crowds, just the, the actual size of their membership that's massive. Mm. But yeah, he called everyone else a provincial club. I, I was at Easter Road in yeah. 2012 when the Scotland played the Socceroos. Yep. That's a beautiful stadium. Oh, and, yeah. And something that Hindmarsh should be aspiring to. 20,000 undercover, you know, almost in the city. I don't think it's provincial, is it? Hips. Well, it's, it's, we're actually comparing it with, uh, it's a different animal from Celtic and Rangers. Mm. You know, Hibernian and Dundee, Dundee United, uh, Aberdeen, they all, f- St Mirren, they all fall into the same group. Yep. But Celtic and Rangers are just... Yep, stand out, yeah. You know. All right, that's our look at British football. Penalty. Stephen Morks run into Ruin Tonyik, who reckons he was just standing there. Penalty again. Adam Fielding's found one again. Yep. Incredible. It is. A third penalty by Rolls. Can't believe it. I dare say the Mariners bench is going nuts. I think he's going to go into the book as well. Get lucky. There you go. So uh, looking at the A-League, Adelaide United beat the top side. Adelaide United had to win. They beat Central Coast 3-2. All three penalties, Val. Were they deserved? And no, they weren't. And and not only in my opinion, but um, the referee's boss, Stebred Dolowski, mm-hmm. who I was trying to get on for this morning, but yep. he had too many meetings, and hopefully we're getting next week. And even Greg O'Rourke, the head of the A-League, um, a publicly re- reported as saying that two of the two out of the three calls were wrong. So the first two, that's uh, Stefan Mork and Ruan Tonyik, and then Stefan Mork, and I think it was uh, Nisbet. Both, you know, clashes were wrong. The third one was a penalty. I'd have to agree with that, and I think it completely ruined the game. And VAR is a complete mess. And I was watching this morning Atalanta and Real Madrid where the referee sent off a player for Atalanta in the 18th minute, not even called to have a look at it because it wasn't a red card because he wasn't the last defender. And I'm thinking, what are we doing now with this game in VAR? Because it's not, I don't think it's the technology which is wrong. It's actually the people who operate it. And, and they're, I think they're failing, a lot of them failing to understand the laws of the game. Well, you could mention Ronaldo's penalty last week in the Champions League. Um, yeah, against Porto, yeah, yeah. Right, right in the very last minute of the game, it was yeah. a stonewaller penalty. But, but looking at the, I watched Adelaide United's game, the the full game, and the song that that come on there, get lucky, for them to get three penalties. <laughs> honestly, I thought it was just quite farcical. Can you ever remember in a game three penalties? I can't. To one no, side, I mean, I can't. it's unheard of. I can't. But but when you look at the, um, you know, a lot of people are bagging uh, mock. And uh, the, you know, even the fellow, the, the um, op- opposition players are, are, are at him. But, you know, in the professional world of, of professional football, you know, or any professional sport, you win at all costs. I've been taught to win at all costs, mm. right? But if you've got people diving in the box, right, it's no good. I'm not saying that Mark's diving. What he's actually doing well, he's drawing a foul, yeah. or half a foul, which, which, well, the first which one wasn't a, even a half a foul because he withdrew his leg. He's yeah, he's went down, but he's he's actually creating something for the referee to go to the VAR, right? It's good professionalism in my opinion. I shouldn't be saying this, but you know, but he does well when he's in the box. The opposition players have got to be a lot smarter. 
You mentioned Nisbet there, and, and really he's diving in or whatever it may be. No, well, both of them are linking arms. Both of them had each other. Understand. And then but, Mort goes down. But the thing is, First. Val, if you're, you're the coach of um, you know, any team and you've got guys that, that sort of put their leg in there with people like Mort, it's going to be a penalty kick or it's going to be a, yeah. a probable penalty kick. Yeah. So you, and on, on, on the game last week. However, we've got a video to correct the call if it's an obvious error. Yeah, but, but the referee was only called to watch the video once. But it's borderline. One. It's borderline. So it's it's actually one guy. Well, it's actually one guy. That he should you should take the weight off the referee, who hey. should discuss with the the fourth officials. Well, and, it never it never got brought to his attention. So they, in my opinion, both of them had bad games. Adam Fielding, Kurt Ams, in the fourth official. So, but being selfish, should they, should they have the next few weeks off? Take them off. And review. We're, we're never going to know. Well, you mean discipline them in some shape or form? Well, they've had bad games and maybe, you know. Yeah, I agree breather. with that. You know, it's like players of the... Yeah, we're all part of the game. You know what annoys me a lot these days as well? Referees, especially since um, the new A-League has come in, and, and this goes right throughout, and, and you're probably aware of this too, Chris, right throughout all the leagues, referees used to be part of the football family with the players. So they'd referee the game. A lot of them know know you by the first game. Before the game, you're not chummy. After the game, you'd see them in the club rooms. You have a drink with them. You have have a drink, shake hands. It wasn't a red card. Blah blah blah. You move on. Now I see that they've almost taken. And I think Strebra Dulowski's trying to change this mentality where they're above everybody. This is how I see it personally in my head. This is. And I think they need to be closer to everybody. But Val, it's very hard. And I've been in this situation only at a local level. A fella's given your side two red cards that you thought were just diabolical. They weren't there. Very hard to have a beer with him afterwards. Okay, yeah, well, you, should, you could argue we've got to be bigger men than that. But You do. Very difficult to walk up to like, go, oh, good on you, mate. You had a good game. Can I get you a beer? Yeah, but you, you have to because but, it's part well, of the game. They're, 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 they're part on. of the game. One night, we had a fella sent off in the second minute of a game, the first tackle he laid. It's not like he'd been filthy for the whole game or done anything wrong. He laid a, what was quite a normal tackle and he sent off. Very hard for me to get that referee and say, good game tonight, mate. What would you have? Get over it, mate. No. Because it's just the can't. game of football. And that's why I like the way Donald Campbell refereed. I mean, this is ages ago because he... He had the ability, and even Barry Panella to Barry Panellas was was a good example. In the game, very stern, strong. But after the game, they make mistakes, just like a striker. I get that. Misses an open. But in the game, we all know how emotional this game is. A red card or a last minute penalty are too emotional for me to then shake a bloke's hand and smile at him and go, "Good on you, mate." Look, I know you made a blue, and it's just cost us relegation. But anyway. (laughs) I'll tell you what, what would you have? I'd like to buy you a couple of beers. But go, that, that get, didn't get cost real. you relegation. It's get, right throughout the season that's cost real. you relegation when you're strikers you know, when you it's still on the goal. You actually mentioned the NPL here, but I'm, I'm going to bring up a point here. I'm going to bring up a point. And, and, you know, in the level of the game just now, the A-League, it's really wilting. It's it's going downhill. Well, it's, I mean, you, know, you can't say that, mate, because you're going against the laws of the PR. And I totally agree with you. It's actually but going down. But, but this is an unprofessional thing that I'm away to say. Now... When you've got, you've got actually got two linesmen that are from Adelaide. Referees assistants these days. And the referees assistant. They're all from Adelaide. It's, it's unprofessional. You know, I'm not saying that there's any untoward business there or what. I'm not saying that. However. But it takes all of that out of the equation, doesn't it? Does it? You're saying like the international game of cricket now has neutral umpires because of this very reason. Yeah. Yep. Let's take away all of the innuendo, all of the discussion. Yes. Neutral umpires. It's like uh, the uh, grand final this year that's going to be coming up. Say it's, um, you know... Uh, Central Coast. Central yeah. Coast versus mm. whoever. You would make sure, as a, a professional group of people, to make sure that... Say it's Melbourne Victory. You wouldn't have any, any referee refereeing from, from, um, from Melbourne. Mm. It just clears the air. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm watching the game and I see two uh, Adelaide guys on, on, the, on the line... Uh, and good, good, very good uh, linesmen in their own right. I'm not saying there's anything at all. However, eliminate that. But the one on the other opposite side of the Grand Western Grandstand, I can't remember his name, missed the throw-in. It was a, it was actually a central. You can hear the actual ball hitting the the leg of the. Well, it was Matthew United Cream player. on one side and Paul Centrangelo on the other side. Well, I'm not too sure if it was Paul on uh, that night, but 
was a clear throw into the Central Coast. It went to Adelaide, who Central Coast were expecting it, out of position. That's how they copped the penalty. All right, let's move on. Uh, speaking of the A-League still, uh, Adelaide United in talks with a German midfielder. What do you know, Val? Yeah. Um, I've actually been in talks with him too. Oh, so you know who quiet. it is. I do, but I'm not going to mention his name because otherwise I won't be able to talk to him later. But he's been here before. That's all I'm going to say because I've been in contact with him and for the past two weeks I've been messaging him and he's gone quiet. He's seen my messages because we WhatsApp each other and now there's dead air. But he's been here before. So, so you, you the biggest newsbreaker in the game, know who this is, but you're not going to share it with us. It might not be him. You said it was him. You know who it is. Well, it might. Well, why oh, is he not answering me? Gee. Or he, Marco Cruz for him, the rest of the show. In. We'd love to tell you lots been, of things, but we can't. Well, Has okay, he been I'll here before? You, I'll give you his name. It's Daniel Adlong, but it might not be him. <laughs> right. So why okay. is he gone quiet? It on, might be. Why is he gone quiet now on uh, WhatsApp with me for the last two weeks? All right. So it's suspicious. All right. Remember that name. <laughs> We will. Uh, you heard it here first, and right? What a with great Val Mariaccio. Yeah. Quite, All right. right. Uh, moving on. Still on the A League. Melbourne victory. Uh, Grant Brebner. Is he in strife? I think last night saved him. They they they, they won that match two 0 against Wellington. They're onto the cosh, but uh, yeah. But there's more to it than just one game. Isn't yeah, there? but you got now Kevin Musket without a job. Tony mm. Popovich. We spoke to Paul Wilitzo last week out of Xanthi. He gets the cut. The team's in fourth position. He's yep. now without a job. Yep. Grant Bremner, though, there's, there's another example of a, a Stevie Gerrard or a Sunes. You know, he was, a, a, you know, a club champion there mm-hmm. when he was under um, Kevin Musket there. He's well, been given, you have to win, don't you? Been, been given the gig and he's and he struggled. He'd he done okay last year and they've reinstated him for this year, but struggling big time. I, I feel for Grant. I know Grant really well. He played for Hibernian, mm-hmm. as you're probably aware. Um, but you're right in what you're saying there. That the, You know, a big club like Melbourne Victory are in a very... Bad position there. Popovich being available and obviously Musket being sacked last week or the week before in Belgium. Mm. Uh, they've got <laughs> good scores on the board in terms of coaching in Australia. So I think there might be some bit of movement there. All right. You've been listening to The Real Football Show. Thanks, Val. Thanks, Albie. We'll Just do it all again next week. Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer.